Mark 1, 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up, went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. And he answered, Let us go on to the neighboring town, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I have come out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, will the meditation of all of our hearts and the words of my lips be pleasing unto you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So in reading and studying this part of Mark, the first chapter of Mark, I was struck by the awesome reality of the kinds of people that Jesus reached out to. The unhealthy people, religiously unclean people, socially unacceptable people, the demon-possessed people. It was an amazing group of people. It seems He seems to seek out the worst kind of people in society. The sinners, the ragged from the edges of society. So in today's reading, Jesus gets up early in the pre-dawn darkness of a Galilean morning and goes out and finds a place to be alone and talk things over with God. But soon the solitude is broken when Simon and the other disciples interrupt, Everyone is looking for you. And for good reason. The night before was when they brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed people from the region, and Jesus healed many of them. The most incredible thing anyone has ever seen. It's not the same old religion of the past. It's new. It's different. Powerful. It's redemptive. Everyone is looking for you. See, overnight... Overnight, Jesus had become the most popular guy in town. People wanted to embrace their newfound hero. But what did Jesus say? How did Jesus respond? No. We have, we've got to move on to other villages and towns so I could preach there too. After all, that's why I've come. And Mark concludes the passage with these words. So Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And so as I reflected on this text about the people Jesus cared so much about, 
a question came to me about the role of the church today. Where, where have all the demon-possessed people gone? You just don't seem to run into all that many people that are demon-possessed today, do we? Where are they? It seems that everywhere Jesus went, He encountered demon-possessed people. The Bible seems to want to make a point that an important part of Jesus' ministry was bringing God's healing love to such people. Page after page in the New Testament Gospels, it is reported that Jesus reached out with special care to demon-possessed people. But we don't seem to encounter too many of those people these days, do we? I mean, do you? I wonder why. Where have they gone? Do you know? Now, in the pre-scientific world of the New Testament, the term demon-possessed used to often describe people whose behavior was outside of the bounds of normal societal the societal norms of the day. Sometimes they referred to persons who were suffering from some kind of mental illness. Sometimes it was persons with physical disorders, like epilepsy. People with epilepsy were understood as some form of demonic attack. Now, I will say this. As a person who has an uncle, had an uncle who was epileptic, He was never demon-possessed. He just had epilepsy and had grandma seizures. So much to the point that he was never able to drive. He never graduated high school. He essentially had the mind of about a 12-year-old. They bought him a computer because he wanted to learn and teach himself how to use a computer. And he had it to such a degree that... Even in the chair that he sat in, they had to put a seatbelt around him because of the flashing of the computer computer screen could set him off. He was not demon-possessed. But this is how they understood things in that day and time. Someone who had a seizure was demon-possessed. It was an attack on them. So people with antisocial behavior, maybe addictions, disruptive language, those who dared to question the religious authorities were considered to be demon-possessed. And obviously those whose symptoms were so obviously evil that they could only be described as demon-possessed because, well, they were. Jesus had a special, a special kind of love for this kind of people, the Bible generally describes as being demon-possessed. We might broaden the understanding of those people, of these people, by thinking not so much about the demons and being demon-possessed, but by seeing them as the kind of people that no one else wanted. The rebels, the poor, the murderers, the backward, the addicts, the corrupt, the thieves, the uneducated, and you can fill in, you can continue that list as long as you want to go. I remember the story of a church, a tremendously successful church located the center of a very busy intersection of the city. The church everyone who was anyone belonged to 
had glorious buildings or tremendous staff, a budget that would take your breath away, and money in the bank to spare. But you know what happens in cities sometimes. The population shift occurs and demographics change. Little by little, that area of the city became home to an increasing number of, well, well, let's be honest, people that no one else wanted. People of different ethnic backgrounds. People who spoke languages other than English. People of different socioeconomic status. The neighborhood of the wealthy and powerful over time became the neighborhood of the poor and the powerless. Crime rate went up. Safety rate went down. Alcoholics lay in the streets. Drug addicts made their buys. So the up-and-coming people of that wonderful church found themselves living among the down and the out. You know what the church did? They closed their doors and moved out to the suburbs. Where have all the demon-possessed people gone? Maybe that's not really the right question to ask, though. Instead of asking, where have all the demon-possessed people gone, maybe the real question to ask is, in a world so full of people that no one else wants, where has the church gone? So these disciples of Jesus come along that early morning and said, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Come and take advantage of your popularity. We've already bought some property on, main, on the main road in town. Already got plans drawn up for a big church. Already have, we're already writing the policies and the procedures of the church. We have a choir and an orchestra too. Come and claim your success. Why did Jesus say? No. No. The reason I came into the world is to go looking for the people that no one else wants. And to bring them the love of God. He comes to the least, to the lost, and to the demon-possessed. In Toronto, Canada, there's a little Canadian Anglican church that sits in the shadow of a giant retailer in downtown. It was obviously once a big, regal place. It was a place home for some of the wealthiest and most powerful people in Toronto. But now, only about a dozen or so worship there. Their clientele these days seem to be the poor, the drug addicts, the homeless people who sleep in the doorways in the neighborhood buildings. You know, the kind of people no one else wants. Over and over, businesses have come to the church and have sought to buy them out. By the church building. Well, this group of faithful members remain. They have refused every offer. They remain committed to reaching people no one else wants. In Mark's reading, and reading Mark's passage, I think of these two churches. The one that moved out into the, into the suburbs, and the one that did not move out of downtown Toronto. And I ask myself the question, in which of these two churches would we more likely find Jesus on any given Sunday morning? Churches should reach out to those no one else seems to want. Why 
This is why it's so vastly important for us to reach out into the community, friends. One of the things that makes the Christian way so worth finding is its relentless call to the followers of Jesus to reach out with grace and mercy and welcoming those who sit on the edges of life to those no one else seems to want. The original question, where are the demon-possessed people today? Friends, they're all around us. They're in our community. They're in our church. They're in our neighborhoods. They're co-workers. They're in our places of work. Jesus went throughout Galilee proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Which church do we want to be? Church that shuts those people out? Because they don't act like us, they don't look like us. Or the church that welcomes the lost, the brokenhearted, the down and out, those on the edges of life. Where are all the demon-possessed people today? They're all around us, friends. We just have to open our eyes to see them, to invite them and welcome them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.